You're listening to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. Your host, Jennifer Hofferberg, is an award-winning veteran special educator who shares her experience, knowledge, and passion to help other special educators survive and thrive in this profession. Join her and other guests as they share tips and tricks of the trade for the ever-crazy, completely overwhelming, laugh-so-you-don't-cry profession of being a special education teacher. Welcome back to the SPED Prep Academy podcast and another segment of the SPED Teacher Small Talk, the podcast series where we discuss all things special education. I'm your host, Jennifer, and with me for this once a month segment is my trusty co-host, Paul Hubbard. Trusty. I like that term. (laughs) Yes. Good to be here. So we are recording a day late because, well... Life happens. I was out of town all weekend, and you've been busy as well, but we are getting it done, and that's all that really matters. Yep. So if you've never joined us for an episode of the Sped Teacher Small Talk before, this once-a-month segment is a fun, relaxed session where Paul and I choose a topic at random using a topic-generating spinner, and we just have an open and honest discussion between two special education teachers. No scripts, no notes, so let's get going. All right. Okay, so it says we are going to be talking about preventing problem behaviors. So, that's a wide open topic. Do you want to like <laughs> specify who it's going to be with? Yeah. Um, yeah, that is a very broad topic. Um, something that's been specifically something this year that has been prevalent in, in my classroom. Uh, I have quite a few kids this year who are on the autism spectrum. And uh, I'm learning a lot this year. Uh, number one thing. Just because they're autistic does not mean they're the same. And, oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I had one of my very best friends in the world of special education once said that if you know one student with autism, you know one student with autism. <laughs> exactly. They're all I, can, yeah. I can attest to that for sure. So those those um, behaviors that they can exhibit at times can be very challenging and even disruptive to the learning environment and make it difficult for others for themselves and other students to make progress Um both academically and socially. So yeah, it is important to have some effective strategies in place for preventing this behavior. So talk to me about what what you've experienced this year and, and what you found that helps. Well, yeah, there's the tough thing about uh, working with students with autism is that if you do what is normally the norm now, where you have a cross-categorical amount of kids. There's not an autism class. Mm-hmm. Um, you deal with the fact that you, you're having someone with autism that is deregulated, that is that is having outbursts, and it's affecting the whole learning environment. Because at least for me, most of my other students have ADHD or something of that form. So distractions of that variety uh, can throw the entire room off the rails. But also, if you put two students on the spectrum in the, in the same room or multiple students in the same room, they also can cause each other to escalate. And so there's not really a, I mean, like any kid, a one-on-one teaching student environment would be ideal. 
But that can't happen. That just feasibly can't happen, especially lately when, you know, teachers are leaving the field right and left. There's not enough of teachers, not enough teachers in the profession to be able to provide that that support at that level. Because that would be the ideal situation, a one-to-one ratio, because then you could customize it to the exact student. You could have the teacher go around with that student to the different environments, help them learn social skills. But that just cannot happen. That's just, you know, to get an aid, it seems like in my district, is a huge pro- project to try to find aids to, to go around, one-on-one aids to go around with students. Um, and that's been the the trouble lately with the education system, is there's just not enough people to provide the services that are the most ideal. You know, for for me, like, I am a resource teacher. I am maxed out on my caseload, which is, whether I like it or not, affecting some of the students' growth because I am not able to give as much of a percentage of myself and my attention that I would normally. Spread too thin, yeah. Right. Um, Which is is unfortunate, and it's, you know... (laughs) And it's so widespread that there's you know, not really an end in sight. But back to your original question. I have had three distinct different students uh, that kind of are categorically what I've put. Um, you know, it's a spectrum. So I guess I have a, a, a two extremes and one kind of in the middle um, that I've worked with. And it is it is very challenging because you talk, you're talking about a student that has has taken has environmentally had factors pushed in on him social norms all this stuff that they're dealing with and they're not exactly sure what to do with it um there was a seminar um by Dr. Barry I'm hoping I pronounced this right um Prizant. uh he is very prevalent in the the autism community. Uh, he's very, very well known for a lot of his work. He, he has a podcast, uh, and he has, uh, he's put out some books and he presents all over the, the, the United States. And one of the things that he talked about is he talked about the fact that for someone on the spectrum, and this is from data from actually talking to autistic adults that have been, um, that have been honest and open with him about it. They are terrified of social situations. They're terrified of being put in a place that's overstimulant, that, you know, they, their reactions of outbursts are like expressions of fear. They're the lizard brain. They're they're They can't regulate themselves when they get to that point. And so that is where I'm learning is very important. You need to learn their regulations, the way they regulate and you need to make sure that they're not having to earn those regulation behaviors. No, yeah, they don't have to earn the opportunity to regulate themselves. But right. everybody, every child, and even even any student, adult, anybody who doesn't have autism has different ways of needing to regulate themselves. You know, I drive 20 miles every morning to my job, and that's my regulation. That's my time right. for quiet time for thinking and so everybody needs that. And so we, we've got to figure out tips and ways of figuring out how to, to individualize that for each one of our students who have autism. Exactly. And, and another thing I find out is like, just because a strategy works for a little bit, it doesn't mean it's going to work forever. And there's, you know, it could be something that changes that, um, that strategy you're using. And 
as someone who has a disability, I feel like I can relate to a lot of students who have disabilities. But I, I will admit, when it comes to understanding um, the the feelings and emotions of someone on the spectrum, uh, I don't I don't have that as much relatability. I know what it's like to feel like you're overwhelmed or can't cope with the situation, or you know, I get that. But I'm an extremely outgoing social person. I am not threatened by social things. I am not threatened by, I mean, overstimulation to an extent. But like, to me, those are the times I thrive. I thrive in spontaneity. I thrive in um, like random talks like this, where it's, there's not a script. There's not a procedure. We're just talking. And I'm coming up with the stuff off the top of my head. This, And so I you know, find myself as someone who has a disability not able to relate as well with um, someone on the spectrum. And I think that they experience that a lot with the adults that they interact with. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm at least recognizing it. I don't think most adults even recognize it. They think they're, you know, they're the neurodivergent. They're the problem, not considering the part that they play in that. Yeah. And so when those, when those things aren't regulated for them, when they aren't feeling like, you know, when they're put into those situations We've got to figure out as teachers what kinds of tips, what kinds of tricks, um, you know, how can we respond to them appropriately to prevent, you know, escalating behaviors from happening. So do I mean, I can think like remaining calm, remaining patient, offering choices, having a scheduled time where they try to get themselves regulated. Um, but what are some other things that you're thinking of? Well, one of the things that that I do. So I have a student who comes into my room. Uh, for group right after PE. And so I have I have a fan set up to blow on him to help him calm because he's sweaty and he cannot focus on anything else because he's sweaty, you know, and it's so like to me in my work with students on the spectrum has taught me like I don't know coming into the year what strategy will work. I can help with ADHD improving the environment for that. There's a lot of stuff that overlaps for that. I have not had one strategy that's worked on a, a kid on the spectrum work for another kid yet. Mm -hmm. You know, I haven't done it that long. So, you know, there's a, there's a chance that I might come around. <laughs> oh, I've done this one before. You know, that's the thing is it's so vast. It is a spectrum. And if you think about like how much there can be on a spectrum, you know, you think of a spectrum of colors and you, you know, if you are drawing something or you're picking a color font and you go to the, the custom color and you drag your thing around, you have so many options. There's thousands upon thousands of colors within that spectrum. And that is, you know, that is what I'm finding out is like, you cannot approach uh, any situation the same as you did before. You, it's, it's a very much <laughs> very good training uh, for what a special ed teacher should be someone who customizes an individualized plan because, you know, they really test you mm -hmm. because it is, you know, there's, there's no amount of experience. It's all about relationship experience yeah, is thrown I, out. I totally agree with that because I have 28 years of experience, but as an instructional coach and you try to use your experience to help other teachers and there's no way to tell them exactly what they have or what they need to be doing with that child. It, it just takes time and it takes, um, it takes trials to try to figure out what's going to work, what's going to help them. Um, what's going to prevent those, those escalations from happening. So whenever, 
it's it's impossible. We're not going to always prevent the behavior from happening. Um, what do you what do you suggest to teachers for after the behavior has happened, after the meltdown has occurred? Um, something that that I would recommend that's been very helpful for me is um, always make the effort to have two safe people that are not in the same room. Um, because that can be very regulating a new presence, a new location. Um, so I have our speech language pathologist at our school is very, um, has ha- actually had one of my students before, uh, cause she used to work in the younger grades and then now she's working, um, with him yet again. Um, so he has a relationship with her already. Yeah. Right. That is, is key. Not always possible, but if you can promote a safe, uh, two safe locations, uh, because regardless of what you do, you're going to have a time when you escalate a student, whether it's like, for me, I had this one situation that after the fact, I was just like, why did I do that? Um, but I, I had an activity. I do escape rooms. So I make like mini escape rooms for my kids to review topics that we've learned. And I've done escape rooms for a lot of my students all of the years I've been teaching. And I always do a countdown timer as like a goal. You know, is that they have to try to reach that. Well, I did that with one of my students who was on the spectrum. And when it was counting down to zero... We were getting so close and they hadn't gotten it yet. So he cheated. He did what was not allowed totally against the rules because he was, he made it much more serious than I was intending. And so he's like, I got to do this. I got to make this happen now. And his, his way of doing that was to cheat, to, to go past the rules, to break the barriers, to, to do that. And then I got mad at him for cheating. And when I say got mad, I would, I, yeah, I do not mean that in the traditional sense. My mad is, is mild compared to some other, uh, getting mad, but I was was frustrated. I was like, right. I I called him out. I did it without thinking. And then I was like, I put an unacceptable additional pressure, um, on this student that, you know, I've done it with students that are on the spectrum before and they've been okay. It just happened to not be something that triggered them. But for this one, it really did. Um, it really did bother them and it led them to doing something that I didn't consider appropriate behavior. And instead of being, uh, realizing that in the moment I snapped, I was like, Hey, you know, I, I, that's cheating. That's not allowed. You're disqualified. And that was just my response. And it wasn't until later thinking back on it, that's like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. I can imagine that in that, that the point of the timer is to build pressure uh-huh. <laughs> and, and apprehension about, will we get it? Yeah. It worked too well. And, um, and then after the fact, I was like, why did I do that? Like, that's, I don't know though, Paul, I think there's another, there's another side to that because I feel like we've got to teach our kids that things like this are going to happen. And so I think that was a very good learning opportunity for you because you could debrief after the fact, you know, after the incident happens, you can say, hey, you know, there's going to be times in life when you are going to have pressure, when you're going to have to work against timers or when you're going to have stress and having, you know, you could say, I didn't handle it correctly. I shouldn't have gotten on you, but I understand why you cheated because you were worried about the timer. You're worried about the 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 stress that I put on you. And so I think that having that conversation after a meltdown is, is just as important as putting things in place so that they don't happen. I think you've got to have a balance of both. 
Right. And, and I did like what I would have done differently. I might have tried the timer, but I would have prepared him mm-hmm. for it. That's what I would have done differently. That's, that's, I feel like where I made the mistake is I just threw this on him without any, you know, uh, any warning. And that's what led to the situation. Another important key point that you said is to have that discussion after the meltdown. When they're in crisis, they're not going to be receptive. You can't tell, you're not going to teach them a lesson while they're, they're highly in that state of, of, of panic or, or frustration. You know, it's not going to work. And, and that's (laughs) for me, like people talking me down is what helps me calm down. But in, in the experience I've had when there's someone uh, I've had like those, those three students that I've had when they're worked up, I have learned not to ignore them because I think that has a negative effect that I think that that sends a message that I don't care what happens to you when you're in crisis. I don't want to do that. My, uh, what I do is I set a space. I give them space with a time limit and I say, Hey, I have these little sand timers that are five minutes and say, Hey, I can tell you're upset and I want to talk to you about it. I'm going to give you five minutes of time for yourself. And you can, you know, I often, prov- I have a little basket of fidgets and some sentry toys that they can go to in the back of the room. And I just say, you can be back here. I'm going to check in with you in five minutes. And that to me, that yeah. says, Hey, I can see you're upset. I care about that. I want to uh, check in with you. I'm going to, I'm going to check in with you. Um, and it's within a conceptual amount of time that they can see, they can observe with the sand timer specifically. And um, mm-hmm. then that to me sends a much more clear message of, I do care, but I know that you need to self-regulate and I'm not going to be able to help you at this point. This is, I'm giving you time to do what you know you need to do to get in a calm state, um, which I think is, is important. Yeah. yeah I, I think those are some really good tips. I feel like if nothing else, the teachers listening today, um, you know, I think we, we got our point across that you're going to make mistakes. You're going to, um, fail your kids sometimes and, and you just have to learn how to pick back up again and, and get them regulated, get them going again, and then just keep building those relationships so that, you know, your students can build that trust and you have that trust that you're going to, you know, be understanding once the, once the blow up is over and, you know, you're going to try to do better next time. Right. I think that's all that we can. Yeah. We oh, can I, I've told this to you before, but I'm not afraid of admitting mistakes um, because uh, actually, interestingly enough, like that is something that I've carried around with me. I'm a perfectionist and I hold myself to a, a new, a different standard than I hold anyone else to. Um, and like that is something that I'm, I'm working through myself still. Like I'm, I'm an adult and I'm dealing with some of these things that these kids are dealing with. And I think that, you know, I think that it's very important to publicly make a mistake, uh, because then it can be addressed. Then it can be yeah. like, I, I don't know how many times I've snapped it. You know, I've been grumpy, snapped at the kids. And I've said after a little bit, I'm like, Oh man, I've been kind of a mean, mean teacher. I don't like mean teachers. I'm, I'm not a fan of mean teachers. So, 
I will say, hey, <laughs> I just want you to know, I know I'm being mean. I recognize that I am not being who I want to be. I have a this reason, didn't sleep well, not feeling good, whatever it may be. Um, but it, um, <laughs> I know that I'm not who I'm wanting to be and I'm asking for you to show me grace and know that I do care about you. Nothing I want, uh, at, at no point do I want you to think that I, I stop caring about you or I don't think that, you know, I don't, want you to succeed or I'm becoming this teacher that's burnt out and stuff because I mean, it's, I mean, it's hard sometimes to deal with some of these, these emotions. And especially when I have something happen to me, that's very personal or very hurtful or very stressful. Uh, it's not easy to keep that from leaking out in the classroom, especially when you're working in such a stressful environment and having to be pulled so many different directions. And I think you're modeling for the, for the kids, you're modeling that it's okay to have your own issues and, and then you just got to acknowledge it and, and move on and apologize for it. So I think those are some really good strategies that we've, we've talked about today. I, I know that this conversation could, we could go on and on and on and on because there's, it, like you said, it is a very stressful job that we have and no day is ever like the one before. And we hope, hopefully, Paul and I shared some knowledge with you today that you can, you know, try to get through the rest of the school year on a good note. And we'll be back again next month with another episode of the SPED Teacher Small Talk. <laughs> yes, and we have a lot more to talk about in helping uh, prevent behavior problems with a lot <laughs> of different things. And I feel like I'd be more prepared for for uh, a different behavior setup, but the I found the autism spectrum to be the one that's causing me I think, the most yeah, it's fresh on your mind, growth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's causing me the most growth. I'm I'm feeling inadequate in some ways working with uh, some of these students, and I think it's just important to to know that it is not uh, as a special education teacher as the professional. It is not on the kids to adjust to us, but more so us to be adaptive and, and flexible to them and their behaviors and their anxieties and their frustrations and to help them reach, reach a state where they can be regulated and safe in your classroom. Because once they're safe, that means you've built the relationship enough to help them grow. Very well said. Okay. Well, I will, I guess we'll talk to you in another month. It's good to see you. One, oh, one day less. Yeah. All right. Have a good night.